0: Okay, folks, uh, thanks for listening today. I'm um, very excited to have Brett Oliverio on the phone. Uh, Brett is the owner of Sup Dogs, and uh, they are it was started in Greenville, North Carolina, and uh, they now have a second location in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, two great towns. Um, uh, Sup Dogs is S-U-P, so if you were to go to the website, uh, it's www.supdogs.com. And uh, I'm gonna so, folks. Brett and I already did this call (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. earlier this week, and my recording app uh, that I was using uh, failed me and failed us, and so we lost basically everything but the first three minutes. So I'm gonna kind of recount a little bit of the backstory around this restaurant because it's a very, uh, it's an interesting and and tragic and kind of hard hard wrenching story, but also uh, uh has a lot of positive outcomes um but and, and Brett, you can kind of fill in where you know sure, where I may miss out here um but so basically you know brett's brother derek started Dogs back in two thousand eight uh clearly a tough tough economy to do it in, but he was a twenty three year old uh sort of with you know just tons of inspiration and fire in his belly and uh passion for You know, this vision he had of starting Sup Dogs and turning, you know, first this one location into a successful one and then growing it into a really successful business with lots of locations. And um, and he really, he knew it was almost like, you know, he just had this inspiration. He knew what he wanted to name it. He knew what he wanted to do with it and had a really clear, focused vision for what he was going to do. Uh, and though he didn't, you know, and here he is, so he, a 23 year old, he borrows money from, uh, their dad, their grandfather, and he goes and, and these guys all kind of get together, uh, uh, and, and they have several siblings and, and all kind of pitched in to help get this thing kind of built out and started. It started, uh, you know, relatively slow as a lot of places do, but, you know, Brett really had this, excuse me, Derek really had this, uh, you know, this determination to make this thing work and, and a lot of just sort of natural leadership skill sets and personality skill sets and work ethic skill sets that helped it thrive which you need and so you know really was doing well and around 2012 the, you know the place is just growing fast uh and Derek uh, very uh, tragically died in a house fire trying to rescue his two dogs and um uh and then you know Brett and his Brett was a newlywed and he and his wife Left their careers uh, in Washington D.C., um, had no restaurant experience, but came down to take over this restaurant and uh, and turn it into the success, you know, or to continue the success uh, that it had started and, and has continued with since then. So a really long uh, intro by me. In fact, I'm going to put an, <laughs> a link to an article that uh, that Derek sent me in the show notes, so you can read more. But Derek, does that? A, uh, I mean, I, I, it's like hard because I don't want to you know, summarize something that's, I mean, that whole story is like a podcast in itself, but. um, Right, right. Now, I understand. It's a a
1: little. Yeah, I mean, you you about nailed it. I I would say the one thing I would sort of stress from all that is, you know, our family didn't have a lot of money. Um, So you don't, there's sort of a misconception that you need a ton of money to start a restaurant. I mean, my my little brother borrowed, you know, some money from my dad who took a home equity loan out. And some money from my granddad, and they sort of just had blind faith in my brother and, uh, to my brother's sort of laser focused, crazy, bullheaded, confident, uh, personality where he knew he wanted to open up dogs, the coolest, specialty hot dogs, specialty burgers, beer, liquor, the coolest, most fun restaurant there is in, in college, in a college town. And, you know, he was able to, to, pretty much nail that so um but yeah i mean you kind of you you kind of i mean you you kind of uh summed it all up and i mean if you just google sub dogs i mean the story it's you know been in a bunch of newspapers from the washington post to local papers um so yeah i mean that's kind of what happened um we just uh got that nightmare phone call uh, on september 29th um 2011 and uh, you know I was was getting ready to go to my job working radio in Washington D.C. and uh, phone rang at 3 in the morning and and there was a house fire he went in while the house was on fire I mean who goes into a house while it's on fire I mean my brother does I would never do that but he's you know that same sort of confidence and passion he had in opening the restaurant you know might have Uh, that was his personality, you know. So he went in after his dogs and you always have enough oxygen to go into a fire. You never have enough to come out. So if anything's ever on fire, anyone listening, just stay a million miles away from it. So luckily there was no burns on his body, Um, just died of, passed away of smoke inhalation. And uh, at that point, you know, getting back to the restaurant stuff, you know, the the restaurant was doing well um, from a standpoint where – People were coming through the doors. The the revenue was there, Uh, but sort of like me, when my brother started this when he was 23, he really didn't have a ton of restaurant experience. I mean, waited tables, you know. But when when a restaurant sort of grows faster than you can have a handle on it, I mean, at Sup Dogs, what Derek said went, um, and like a lot of restaurants, and the restaurant kept growing so it's hard to sort of manage the restaurant as it grows. It's hard to do it all. So, you know, when when he passed away, you know, it really is a testament to his staff that they were able to keep it going and, and sort of for the – you know, there's four months between he passed away and uh, my wife and I moved down to, to Greenville, North Carolina. So it is a testament to the staff that they were able to sort of keep uh, the restaurant going.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's like so many – it, it, it's amazing. I mean, when, when that happened, for this, it's just there's so many aspects of the story. It's like a, I don't know, man. It's like a meant to be that you guys are gonna, you know, continue his dream and be successful. Like it's it's yeah. phenomenal. I don't. It's, it's like I don't even know where to start. But I mean, there's so many <laughs> questions I have. Like so, you have okay. So well, first of all, the um, you know, he had a skill set, and I know, like, so it takes that mentality, and as you said, that sort of that bullheaded, I mean, not delusional, but then again, like, I I believe, like, I'm an entrepreneur, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you almost have to be a little bit delusional in the sense, like, you just have to ignore, you know, what might be very uh, legitimate doubts that people might surface about, hey, what you're doing or whatever, and just believe in yourself. So he had this certain skill set, and he had gotten several years down the road where the restaurant's really successful, um, and then you come in. So there's a couple things I want to get to. One is like, what did you do right away? So I want to touch on that. I also want to touch on, um, you know, what, what skill sets you, you all shared, and then what different strengths you might bring to the table that may have ultimately, you know, he may have had to have found somebody with those skill sets too. Because there's one thing: right. they're starting a business. And having that fight, and then there's like the the growing and you know consistent operational um, strategies you have to deploy you know over time as a business thrives. So there's you know a lot of times we have to bring in other people that you know kind of balance um, out certain strengths and things that we may not have. Sure. But, but but first of all, you come into this thing, and so you you've got this incredibly emotional thing that's just happened, uh, a tragedy uh beyond words and now you are going to run a restaurant which you have had no experience <laughs> yeah. doing so w- what is yeah, really like what what did you do like walk me through like you got there and for the first week months whatever like w- how did you get up yeah. to speed and what were some of the things you did to um, sure. you know to, to to figure this all out and i'll give you sort of a brief
1: timeline i mean you passed away in september 2011 and then Um, my wife and I actually got married, uh, three weeks later and then we went on our honeymoon and then we were kind of like, you know, by around Thanksgiving, we were kind of, you know, what if we, you know, moved down to Greenville, quit our jobs and down to Greenville, North Carolina with the hopes of, you know, carrying on Derek's legacy and his dream. But at the same time, uh, you know, I want to make a lot of money. I mean, let's, that's what it's all about. So, um, But, you know, like you were going back to saying, um, you know, so actually let me back up with the timeline. So then I worked in sports talk radio in Washington, D.C. I was executive producer of a morning show. I also did a bunch of on-air stuff, TV and radio. My wife worked in sales. We actually broadcasted from the Super Bowl in Indianapolis February 2nd, I believe it was. And then on February 4th, two days later, the moving trucks came um, from You know, our place right outside of Washington, D.C., and we we moved down to a random college town, Greenville, North Carolina, right across the street from ECU. So that's kind of the timeline. And, you know, back to what you were saying about my brother, I mean, he he was able to make such a cool restaurant and, you know, make it popular with the students. You know, he, he had the type of personality where, you know, every guy wanted to be friends with them and every chick wanted to hook up with him i mean that's just kind of how you know it's just kind of his personality He was always the funniest guy in the room the best looking guy in the room uh so so making that restaurant awesome was easy for him now you know there's also uh the business side of things which is controlling costs uh labor costs food costs liquor costs uh, managing a staff that sort of thing It, it it wasn't really his strong suit. So, you know, there, there was a lot of sort of, even though we did have a, a, a great core of staff there, you know, the operational side of things when I got there was sort of in disarray, which you would expect. So yeah, we, we, uh, we showed up in early February, uh, 2012, my wife and I. So would you, you want me to get into sort of the first couple weeks when I got there?
0: Yeah, I mean like I'm just fascinated with that. Like I I I don't know what I would do. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I had no experience. idea. It's like,
0: well,
1: Zero. Like I, I didn't even know how to tap a keg. I didn't know I didn't know anything about the restaurant business. My wife luckily you know, she had, has been waiting tables her whole life, in and out of college. Um, you know, she went to the University of Florida and you know, she's she's worked in restaurants, so she sorta of had an idea from a server standpoint. I had no idea. And my mentality was, I'm just going to move down there. Um, I'm 33 now; I was 30 at the time. My mentality was, I'm just going to outwork everyone, outlearn everyone, and ask every stupid question there is. You know, I'm I'm going to be the biggest village idiot for a long time, but eventually, I'm going to be better than everyone. That was kind of my mentality. Um,
0: gotcha, and gotcha. I love
1: that mentality. Yeah, and like I I remember just asking our food distributor, like and the beer reps, liquor reps, the you know, going to a food show for the first time. I mean I, I just remember asking the world's worst questions to the point where these people are like, Wow, this idiot you know, he's uh he's you know, out of his league here. So you know, that was that was kinda of my mentality and uh and I you know, I remember few weeks into it i you know i just came home one day i remember this specifically and you know cause when we got there my wife she was like look we've established a life and a, a place to live she was like look just give me a month i'm going to turn this apartment we rented a small apartment we're going to turn this apartment into a, a home we got to establish a life here so give me a month to do that she's like you going in and work try to figure out whatever you can Uh, And I remember coming home one day and be like, I I don't know if I could do this. I I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Um, And, you know, I mean, the restaurant was running and it was, there was a lot of people in there, but I knew I had a sort of an idea that it wasn't running optimally, but I didn't know what to do or where to start. She just said, look, stop being a wimp, go in, walk around, You'll walk up to tables. You'll know immediately if they want to talk to you or not. And just talk to them. Ask them if they need anything. Get a refill. Run food. Do whatever you can to sort of just be around and and talk to people. You know, talk to the staff. I said, okay, I'll try that. (laughs) So, you know, over time, I think it took about a year for me to really sort of have the confidence to run the restaurant. Um, but it was definitely tough and it was definitely weird. And, you know, I thought, you know, worst case scenario, my wife and I hate it. Um, business fails. And I guess we move back to the DC area, you know, it's kind of, you know, what was running through my head at the time.
0: Well, it seems like you had the right mentality, which is like, okay, I'm going to check my ego and just ask, as you said, you know, dumb questions. I mean, just the basic stuff um and really work hard to learn it so um which is you know a a really good way to approach it and then you so over time you started to learn things that you know you needed to, to carry on things that worked and then I know the other day we were talking one of the things you started realizing is hey you know how can we I mean basically how can we operate better right like how can we go and find cost savings not because you want to cut costs necessarily to cut costs, but cut costs to, you know, make the business more profitable and, and serve, you know, like you said, I think like, you know, better fries that may cost less and things like that. So talk about how you started to uncover some of that and what were some of the things you found and what you did about it. Yeah. I mean, my biggest
1: nightmare would be to be incredibly busy in the restaurant business and not making any money. I mean, that would be a total disaster. I'd rather just, sit at home and do nothing. You know, I mean, you, you work your ass off. There's a ton of people in your restaurant and there's no money to show for it. I mean, that would be a total nightmare. Um, and it was a little like that when I got there cause the restaurant was always busy, but there, there wasn't a lot of money in the bank account. Um, you know, I think our, our menu was a little underpriced. Um, you know, our labor costs were a little out of control. Uh, food, beer, liquor costs needed to be sort of reined in, you know, stupid stuff. I mean, I'm all about, you know, even over three years into this thing, you know, I'm all about every day, how can we improve but at the same time just, uh, save money, cut costs? Because saving money is like making money, right? But, but I, you know, I never want to be one of those restaurant owners that are just cutting costs just to try to save a dime, you know. I want to be improving yeah, you can, you while can tell we're doing. that, being, like,
0: Oh, go
1: ahead. Well, yeah, and here's an example. And this is, sounds really stupid, but um, you know, we you know we have a couple specialty hot dogs, and you know our nachos and burgers where we put uh, jalapenos on them, right? So everyone knows what a pickled jalapeno is. It's like that sort of dark green jalapeno that you get out of the jug. Yeah. And to me, this just didn't look that good, and I don't know. I mean people like the way they taste, but I was like, Hey, what if we switch to a fresh cut jalapeno, cut it ourselves? Um, it's, it's brighter. It's better looking. It tastes better. It's more fresh. And then lo and behold, it's like 40% less expensive than if you just buy these jalapenos out of the jar. So, you know, we were able to switch to a fresh cut jalapeno, improved our food and cut our costs. And there's always a thousand ways to do that. Um, but you really just gotta dig and dig and, and sort of figure out how it relates to your concept, um, and I've been able to do that in a bunch of different ways. So that's just one example.
0: I mean, I know. You, so you came in and really started to figure out like portion control, right? Like,
1: yeah, um, you know, when I got the yeah, I mean, there was no portion control. Um, just the processes were, were not really in place to run a successful restaurant because you can't do it all. You know, I mean, at at one point my brother was cooking the food, running the food to the table, you know, greeting the customer. I mean, doing it all, you know, just Mm. total mom and pop shop. Um, But then as the restaurant grew, you know, it it starts to get out of control. The processes aren't in place. um, And you just don't have the time and it kind of swallows you up. And I think there was a little bit of that going on with my brother, which I guess is a good problem to have, right? Too busy, too many customers, but, uh, so when I got there, there were a lot of processes that needed to be in place. And by the way, let me mention this. I, I swear to God, one, one, you know, I requested to be on your podcast so people know, like, I'm a fan of everything ScheduleFly does. And when I got to, uh, within the first month of getting into the restaurant business, I bought your book, Restaurant Owners Uncorked. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. I have it upstairs. I have it upstairs and i and I and read the whole thing because, you know, it was all about rest, you know, successful restaurant owners. So for me, I was like, well, you know, I got to figure out how to act like one. So let's read about the dude from top of the hill, Scott, uh, let's read, let's sort of see how other restaurants owners act successfully. And, you know, let me try to be a part of that. So, uh, your book was actually the first one that, uh, that I bought. I don't even know how I really stumbled upon it, but, um, but it helped. It, it definitely helped. So I still have it.
0: Thank thank you. Amazon. I mean, Amazon does a good job of marketing that. Cause we just don't, you know, like it, it, it's there and you can get it and uh, they cross sell it easily. And I, there's not a lot of books about, you know, there's like books. This was the interesting thing, not to get off on a tangent, but it's going to tie back mm-hmm. to this. So I found that like there's, you'll find books. It's like some, guy or some gal is real successful, and they go, oh, well, here's how I've been successful, so I'm going to write this book, and here's my story. Well, okay, that's really good, but then you go read somebody else's story, and it's totally different. Like, they did things totally the opposite way, maybe, but they were still successful. So it was interesting, because I thought when we started that, I was like, you know, I've got to find, like, common themes, like, what are they all doing that you know, are is similar so that we can kind of say, like, put our stamp with this book and say, well, here's 20 owners and here's what all of them do, these five things. But you can't do that. And that's what was interesting, and this is why I like doing this podcast and why I like hearing your story, is, you, and you probably went through this process. It's like you can learn nuggets from lots of people, but everybody has their own way, and then you kind of have to mold your own style of, like, you know, I agree with this guy on the way he does that and this gal on the way she does that and this person and then here's how – I. and you kind of like come up with your own way of doing things because there's – building a successful restaurant is very hard. And, and what part of what makes it so hard, I think, is that there's so many components to a restaurant. There's all – there's the food. There's the labor. there's There's just so many unique things that you deal with. And there just isn't a right way to do it. I mean, you you have to be smart, but my goodness, I've got a you know we. I interviewed a guy recently who, mm-hmm. um, you know, one one person is sort of top down. Um, this is our this is the way to do it, and you know, do it my way is kind of my way the highway. And another guy's like, you know, I have sort of a general framework, and I trust my staff. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. so weird. So what what did you? Yeah, what, yeah. What, I think, what did I think you it's all about personality. From? And that's been the it's hardest up.
1: part for me is like, yeah, you know, sorry to cut you off, but it, no, no, no. it, it, it is all about personality and you, got, you sort of have to implement your style. You know, I don't think there is any one correct way to operate a restaurant. You know, there is, I, I've met a lot of restaurant owners where they do my way or the highway. Um, and then you have a lot who are way too trusting and lenient. I'm kind of somewhere in between. My personality is I do have a harder time delegating. You know, if I, you know, I seem to, I try to like want to do everything myself. And now that we have a bunch of full-time managers and general managers, I've gotten a little better at delegating, but it's something that that I'm working on. But for me, you know, even going into this thing, you know, keep in mind, if you saw our, our restaurant especially the outside of our restaurant in in Greenville, you'd be like, this looks like an abandoned gas station. Uh, (laughs) I mean, this, this place is looks awful, right? I mean, we're attached to a convenience store. I mean, it just looks, it's not very impressive on the outside looking in. So one thing that was really important to me getting into this is, you know, I'm going to move to this college town. You know, there's, Girls everywhere, beer, liquor everywhere. I think it's easy to get caught up and in, in trying to be cool and trying to run a bar, and you know, there's all sorts of things that go along with running a restaurant, a bar, with you know, the dark side of restaurants with the booze and a lot of times drugs and uh, there's cash everywhere. I mean, it can be that can swallow you up. Um, mm. But my mentality was, I'm going to run the I want to run this like I'm running Apple. <laughs> I mean, it sounds stupid, but I'm going to run this, you know, tiny restaurant in Greenville like I'm running a Fortune 500 company.
0: And what, um, what do you mean by that? Like, I, I, I think I understand, but tell me what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, like I, I wanted a, you know, I, I wanted a legit restaurant with all the processes in place. Um, you know, everything from holding staff accountable to, I mean, literally every dollar we bring in, we report. I mean, and I've been told I'm crazy, but every dollar that comes into the restaurant gets reported to our accountant and we pay taxes on it. So I want, I want to run this like any other successful company, not just a restaurant. You know, I, 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 I wanted to make it successful, but You know, I sort of have a bigger vision than one restaurant in Greenville, North Carolina. Even though it's awesome, and I could live off that and be perfectly happy the rest of my life, but so what comes along with that is running a hundred percent legit business, not just a restaurant, but a legit business. And I think a lot of times in college towns, in different areas, like you know Charlotte, DC, you know, it's a little different. But when you're in a college town and you have an independent restaurant, and there's girls everywhere and beer and cash. There's a lot of opportunities to sort of get sidetracked. But you really have to focus on, you know, even though this is a fun restaurant with college girls everywhere, you know, this is a legit business that has to operate in a certain way and, um, you know, has to make money like like any other legit business. So I hope that makes sense. I'm not sure.
0: No, no, it, it, yeah, it, it definitely does, and I love I love the mentalities. Um, and you, you, um, so you have you had the one, and so you got up to speed and got to where you kind of felt like you had your arms around it, um, and then you opened your chapel. When, when was that? About a year, year and a half ago? Yeah, we
1: we opened not. Yeah, we opened nine months ago, and, and you know it, it, when I moved down to Greenville, there was so much that I had to learn and so much, um, uh, that I wanted to improve and, and change. And, you know, from a, from a business standpoint, that the thought of opening a second restaurant didn't cross my mind for a long time. Um, just cause there was so much to learn and, and, and sort of accomplish in Greenville. And, uh, so I, you know, my wife would tell you, we didn't talk about opening the second one for, maybe a year and a half, two years, um, and then, you know, we started kind of thinking about it, and we, we we started, you know, sort of talking about where we would want to open a second one. Um, and it was always my brother's dream to open as many Sup Dogs locations as possible. Um, you know, the easy College thing Towns? With,
0: is it like a College Towns concept, you think?
1: Exactly, yes, College Towns. And you know, the easy part would be, you know, open up another sub Dogs in Greenville and you know, sort of do it all locally. But you know, we decided let's look around and we found a uh an awesome building in Chapel Hill, right on Franklin Street, right across the top of the hill. Um, and it was one of those things where it kinda just hit us like, you know, we we I don't know if we, we can't pass up on this uh on this space and then so we started contact in the, the process of sort of starting a second restaurant it's not easy I mean especially when you find a, a prime location uh you know and we we knew we wanted to be in a an awesome downtown area and a great college town and you know there's very few college towns better, if any than the University of North Carolina um so when we found the building then, then the next step was, okay, how can we convince this broker and landlord to lease it to us? Because they wanted Bank of America in there. Or they wanted some Mexican chain or, you know, they wanted, you know, these, you know, Chipotle. And But, you know, that's where it really helped running a buttoned up uh, business when trying to, I opened that second one. All our, all of our accounting was right. Um, you know, there was money in the bank. You know, we, we sort of. There's a lot of restaurants that try to start even their second location with you know their, their accounting's a disaster. There's no money. You know, taking out money to go buy a boat and no money in the bank. But we were able to. You know, keep a lot of that money in the bank. You know, and, and sort of. Um, so that helped when uh, when opening a second restaurant, being able to show the broker and the landlord, "Hey, we got a little bit of money. Hey, here here here's our uh, our balance sheet." Um, so it really helped in expanding, sort of running a legitimate restaurant.
0: And this, so this is like this gets to what the point you're making about you know running it like Apple, having a button-up business. You mentioned a great example. You just said you just kind of threw it out there, but I think it's a common uh, mistake. Uh, from what I learned over the years, you said you know taking money and going and buying a boat or whatever versus plowing it back into the business. So th- this becomes the question of like, is this a hobby or is this a business? And um And and it, you know and it's you know there's no right answer, but you kind of have to answer that question for yourself and. You guys said this is a business, and that's one of the things that – and you mentioned Top of the Hill. You mentioned Scott Maitland, the mm-hmm. owner there earlier on here, and he's on the podcast too, folks. Listen to him too, but he's always said to me, he's always said, you know, there's the business of what you do, and there's the business of the business. The business of what you do is the serving the food and and, uh, and so on and stuff that happens, you know, in the restaurant. And then there's the actual running the business, turning a profit, like you said, cutting costs. Mm-hmm. Knowing your labor costs, getting those down to a, you know, getting this stuff down to a science, so that it's something that you can uh, not only you know is sustainable, but is replicatable if you if you grow. And, and it sounds like that's something you've really you already had. You had a you know you had been to business school and you had business experience. But those are some of the important lessons I've learned, at least. And, and correct me where you, you know, but that seems like a really important piece of a business even if, I mean, if it's a hobby you kind of need to really you know it's a restaurant but it, it's a, a business right <laughs> i mean yeah I it mean, really you just is have to have a you just have to have a bigger mentality than
1: i'm going to be one of those restaurant owners who's at the corner of the bar drinking jagging and cokes and glad handing people i mean i i never drink inside the restaurant uh unless you i never eat or drink really unless i have family or friends in
0: town. They all yeah. want to go to
1: stop dogs when they visit, and I and you know not not what I want to do, but you know they they want to go in there and have a beer and one of everything on the menu. So I sort of partake in that. But you know what I say is, look, is this party time or or are, are you running a business here? Are you, are you trying to make a million dollars? <laughs> that, that's my mentality. And for yeah. a lot of restaurant yeah. owners and, and bar owners, it is party time. You know, you got you know you're drinking beers with your staff you know you've got five thousand in cash in your pocket
0: hey let's let's go on a cruise let's go to las vegas
1: you know but when we moved down you know i knew we wanted to have a bigger vision than just one restaurant um so we took a huge pay cut and and uh taking over sup dogs and our. You know, for me, it was not all about how much money is in my bank account. I didn't really care, just as long as I could pay bills. You know, I, I wanted to keep score by seeing how we could grow our restaurant bank account. And that yeah. helped a ton in, you know, being able to get a little bit of loan money from the bank for our second location, establishing financing. Um, you know, you've got to make sure all your financials are legit and in place, Um or or there's no chance of expanding. Um, and we were able to do that, you know. We weren't out buying boats or houses or cars or, you know, we really just had the business in mind first.
0: Well, so then when you, you – so you had a lot of this in place, so it helped with uh, expanding to the second location. It helped with, um, you know, convincing brokers and landlords and so on. What about um I mean what about the- like how did that work with with you so you you know you, like always I'm always curious like so when you've got one place and you've got your hundred percent of your attention focused on that, and you go, okay, I've got this thing running it's it's just it's clicking on all cylinders I'm ready to you know we're ready to grow so then you go find this place in Chapel Hill, you go mm-hmm. through that process now you've got two, and not only two. Uh, well, you can't devote all the attention to one, but two that are, you know, an hour and a half apart or whatever. So it's not just, you know, I can spend half the day at one and half the day at the other. So talk a little bit about that and what that process has been like and how you've been able to, you know, now juggle two balls, so to speak, uh, versus just one and make sure that you don't lose sight of the, you know, the one for the sake of the other.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard, um. And it's a grind. And, you know, opening, having one restaurant is not easy. Having two is twice the headaches, twice the risk. Um, and, you know, we we bought a house here in Greenville. Uh, but we've also, for the last year and a half, had a, have an apartment in Chapel Hill. And what's big for us in our concept is, is you know, we got to be a part of the university. we got to become a, a a great part of the downtown area. So, you know, I knew I didn't want. You know, people ask me all the time, "Oh, is this a chain?" They walk, especially in Chapel Hill, where they're a lot less familiar with our concept. They'll come in, "Oh, is this a chain?" And I kind of take that as a compliment because, uh, you know, it to them maybe it looks like there's processes in place to look like a, ch- a chain, which I guess is cool. But you know, for us, I, I wanted to be local and it's important in markets like Chapel Hill. It's like, you know, if you're not a part of their community and you're not a part of the university, I don't think you're going to stand much of a chance unless you're Chipotle, Panera, you know, somewhere like that. But so being there day in and day out, you know, I'm probably in Chapel Hill three or four days a week. I'm here in Greenville two or three days a week. You know, really, I take zero days off. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I might, you know, I, go out to dinner with my wife. I mean, it, you can't really have any hobbies. Um it might sound miserable, but it's not. Um So you really have to be focused and and be a part of the community in each year restaurant. So you know, right now in Greenville it's like I'm always texting with the mayor, you know. My wife's on the board of for for Uptown Greenville. So we're we're super established in everything that goes on in Greenville. And we're slowly getting that way in Chapel Hill and it's not easy. Can't be in two places at once. But I want people to know this is a local restaurant. I mean my dad, he just turned sixty eight yesterday, he'll come down and, and pack hamburgers for us. Um yeah. so you know, that's what I say 'cause you know, there is a mentality that oh if you're not you're not part of the chapel, like Top of the Hill is part of the Chapel Hill community through and through. Uh and we need a little bit of that in order to sort of be a part of the community. And you know, I I, I tell people all the time, hey, I live here. I'm a, I l- literally live in Chapel Hill four days a week. Um, you know, it's me and my wife. We we got a ton of employees, but I mean, by no means is this a, a business where we're opening up and sort of. Forgetting about it and, okay, well, where's the next one? It's not like that. It's really getting in there, grinding, getting to know your customers, getting to know other business owners, getting to know the city, go to all the meetings and, you know, everything that sort of goes into being a part of a community.
0: Yeah, that's that's really awesome. Uh, and you guys are really taking the right approach for sure, um, particularly in that community. I, just, I mean, I know Chapel Hill, but really, I mean, I would think any. So then um, – so let you're me, there let me, half the time. One, oh, one yeah. thing I
1: wanted to touch on, and I apologize for interrupting. I think this is important um, for other restaurant owners. You know, you really have to stick to who you are. I know who we are, okay? We are specialty hot dogs, specialty burgers, cheesy tots, cheese fries. We are we are here for the college students. Uh, you know, just high energy, loud, bright, fun you know, we open up in college towns, okay, college is fun, right, so our business is going to be fun, I want it to be the most fun, it's unorthodox, different than any restaurant, you're not going into Red Robin, this is like, you know, awesome food that you're, you know, you're not going to, you know, I mean, it's not fat free, <laughs> but awesome food, awesome drinks, you know, it's half restaurant, half exciting party, I don't know, it's a, it's a cool concept, but you've got to stick to who you are, and when we first opened up in Chapel Hill, you know, our building looks awesome from the outside, we put a ton of money into it, I mean, it looks awesome, so it was weird, I think people were expecting, I don't know, some, some crazy upscale burger bar with, you know, 45 craft beers and, you know, Maker's Mark on the shelves, and, so it took us a while to to find our audience. And, you know, there's a pressure to sort of conform to the norm and conform to, you know, what other people are doing. But you really got to stick to what you do. And and what we do is for the college students and we make no bones about it. But that's hard, you know, especially when you move into a, a, a market where nobody knows you. There's tons of pressure to conform. Um, but you gotta stick to who you gotta know who you are and really fight and stick to who you are. Um otherwise I don't think you have a chance to be successful if you're opening a second one.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's uh I think it's a it's great, great advice, Brett, which is um it, I mean we believe that, you know, very much it's schedule fly too. It's you have to uh you know, almost draw the line in the sand and say, Look, this is what who we are, what we're all about, who we are here to serve, and you know that that will then automatically, it will turn off some people because they're not, you know, your core audience or whatever, but maybe more importantly, it turns on, you know, the, the people that you really want to serve and are there to serve. Like, you know who your natural audience is. You know, you know, what you all are all about. And so it's, it's. Um, I would imagine it helps you really draw uh, a more rabid sort of loyal customer base in a lot of ways would you agree with that totally
1: totally and it takes a long time too you know i'm just and we've been open for a little over nine months i feel like i'm just starting to in chapel hill we're just starting to really find our our audience and our customer base um you know there's a lot of people that came in and just just i mean what you know we we don't have a hostess um we it's loud it's bright all of our servers are college girls um we are a little edgy but nowhere near hooters or you know any of these crazy restaurants but you know
0: we're,
1: we're different than anything in chapel hill and um so it takes a long time for just to build it just to build your brand and stick to your guns i mean tell you what it's tough though you know you, you know there are days where you know you're taking a beating um but in the end if you if you i think if you have you know all your processes in place and your your, your product is there i think you're going to be successful and i believe in what we do and um i'm going to work as hard as i can possibly work and it's to me that that's the recipe for success but wow there's a lot of pressure to be like everyone else and uh I, I have zero interest in doing that what you know it's uh you know it's, it's definitely a battle and a grind that you know sort of what we do every single day
0: well you know look so the thing about that is that, that god man I, i'll try not to go too far on a rant here but you're you're really sure. nailing it man i think you have a lot of really natural business savvy around things that like look for because you um, there is that pressure there's we all feel it in business and it's the thing about it is um then everybody's the same and i'll tell you i'll tell you i recommend a book to you and anybody listening to this it's one of my favorite business books i've ever read and i read a ton of them uh but again they're all kind of the same <laughs> except for this one ironically it's it's called different <laughs> mm-hmm. and the the cool. book is titled different and the subtitle is escaping the competitive herd and it's written by a um uh, a marketing professor at Harvard. And Young Me Moon is uh, is the name of the author. And she talks about how important it is to to take that stand and to be different, not different for the sake of being like, let's do weird, silly stuff to get attention, more around like at your core, like finding your belief system and, and not following what everybody else does. And a great example, a great example that she uses, it's really easy to remember, is she says, like, you know, like, Volvo owners like what their car is, but they see friends with a Volkswagen that have this, this, and this feature that Volvo doesn't have. And so Volvo does market research, and they go, oh, well, we should have these things. Volkswagen owners like their cars, but they, you know, have these things that they don't have that Volvo has. They do market research. And next thing you know, you know, you can't tell the difference. Now, those may have been not the right uh, brands, like, but the point is, like, so many cars are like kind of the same and then they eventually all become very similar you know and it's hard to tell the difference and then she talks about how like mini came out with a mini cooper it like when that thing came out there was like nothing even close and it developed this rabid base of fans who were like not only like buying these things in droves but very proactively proactively spreading word of mouth for them like these things are great. We love it so, right? But that's what, you know, I just believe that to my core that if you really want to create something special, you, you have to go about it that way and stick to, it, you know, what you believe in and and uh, not care if there's people that go, well, that's not, you know, you should do this or that or whatever. Sorry for that. Yeah, plan, I mean, we're. I, that so fundamentally.
1: I totally agree. I totally, and, and, and I think that applies to a lot of that applies to what we're doing, you know, I mean, that's what I was saying about, you know, college is the most fun time in your life, right, so I want to be the most fun restaurant um, that's out there, you know, I mean, for the past Duke game, you know, keep in mind we're on Franklin Street, you know, there's a lot of money on Franklin Street, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, businesses that have been there for years and years and, you know, a lot of old money and, you know, i really just Cool community of of people that you know eat, breathe Chapel Hill and UNC, which is awesome, you know. But before the last Duke game, I uh, you know I was like, you know what? I want to hang a twenty-two foot banner. So I I printed a banner that's twenty-two feet long and six feet tall. I mean, it's absolutely enormous. I want to put it across the entire front of our restaurant that says uh, "Honk if Duke sucks." (laughs) So and that's the cool part about running your own restaurant because I can do that. And if you don't like it, sorry, tough. What, what are you going to do? Complain to me. I mean, that's what it is. This is my idea. I think this is something that's cool and fun and edgy and different and will will create reactions and get people talking. and and so that's what we did. And I went and printed this enormous banner that you can see from a mile away. That's a Duke socks with coach K's face on it. People are honking all day. Uh, taking uh, selfies in front of it, posting on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff, and you know. So you kind of have to take chances, know who you are, um, and especially if you're in business for yourself, I mean, do what you think is best. And if people don't like it, you know, oh, well, you know. It, <laughs> there's no one to answer to. That's the awesome part.
0: Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, and so you um, So some of the things that you mentioned um uh, uh which I think are just um I don't know, just really interesting and good knowing your audience, knowing who you are, knowing what you want to do. Like so you told me on the last one that you guys like you don't have giant hot dogs. You have 6 inch hot dogs. You have thin uh hamburger patties. And and part of that is because you're you're I mean I think you said like you're Primary or ideal audience, or who you're really thinking about when you put together your food, your menu, is like a 20 year old female college student. Like that's who, is that right? Did I remember that correctly? Yeah. Talk about yeah. that and why, because I think that's such sure. a um, just. A, I mean, that's smart because the guys will follow too. But but tell me about why you all uh, approach it that way. Yeah, I
1: mean, you, you kind of have to know who your audience
0: is, and you know,
1: I think one of my strengths and my wife's strength and she's right there with me is sort of knowing what college students in a college community, don't get me wrong. This is not our restaurant. We get a ton of families in for lunch, ton of families in for dinner. You know, late night is absolutely insane, but I mean, so we it's not just college kids that come into our restaurant. We get a ton of families, sure. with young kids, but you know, it's uh. You know, when you think about college, and, you know, when I think about college, to me, it's all about girls and having fun. So that's what our business has to sort of be all about. You know, like you mentioned, our hot dog is six inches long, but it's not too thick. It's not like you're eating some big, giant hot dog at the stadium. Um, Our patties are hand-packed, fresh, um, hand-smashed. We smash them out real thin are still a third pound, but we smash them out real thin. To me, it's a little easier for a girl to eat it. I don't think the you know group of college girls is going to want to eat a big giant piece of cow before she, you know, goes to a house party with their friends or yeah, just you know. So everything we do is sort of with the college girl in mind. You know, everything from our drinks to presentation of our food um to to decor the restaurant um and if i think if you can for me my mentality is if if you can be successful doing that uh the guys will follow you know the community will will follow because you know if i visit a college town i want to get a college experience you know if i go you know we went to uh university of florida a couple years ago to uh you know, go to a football game and I wanted to see my wife's whole college experience. So I wanted to be around the students. I wanted to be around the crazy. So when you complain to me that the restaurant's too loud, it's, you know, it's, it's too bright. It's too, you know, too many girls in there. You know, I, I get complaints. Oh, your, you're, uh your staff is, you yeah, they act like sorority girls. Oh, well, this is college. I mean, what, what do you want?
0: You know, we're,
1: 50 feet from the university. So, you know, I saw one Yelp review. Some guy was like, "You oh, know, the, the, the food was great and the, the, the service was good, but those, but their staff is, you know, you know, they're laughing and they're they're loud and they're having fun and they're acting like they're in the, this isn't the sortie house girls. This is work." And I'm thinking, well, this dude just doesn't get it, you know. So, um, I think I'm, I'm pretty – one of my strengths is knowing what college kids and people that are in a college community want to be around. Um, yeah. So.
0: We'll, we'll yeah, get we, back we, to your point of really knowing what – you know, like, so that guy is not your – like, he's just, you know, just, you're not going to please everybody. but That's okay yeah. if you stick to, you know, what you want to do and what you believe in. Um, so what my, dad, that, what my dad says is, you know –
1: you know, my family really doesn't have – my older brother helps, but, my, you know, my family doesn't really have much input day to day. But I tell them stories, you know. So a lot of times I'm going to my dad, I'm like, God, listen to this complainer. And with complaints, you know, 99.9% of the stuff I hear is positive, and I love it. But what my dad always says is, you know, if there's someone that really doesn't like being there or doesn't it's – like, it's like having a remote control, you know. You can turn the channel if you want. Right, you don't. Yeah. So there's there's always other options, but you're not going to be for everyone. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, there used to be like this mentality, like the customer is always right, but I think that's like kind of to a point because like we try to like I don't know, man. I, I'm sure you know there's some overlap. Um, the way the way between like maybe how we might approach business to schedule fly, or if the same group of guys, if we were running a restaurant, which would be like, mm-hmm. I want to make everybody really like, I want to provide great service and a great product. But sometimes there's people that just refuse to be happy or whatever, or they don't like what you do, or they came to your hot dog and burger restaurant and are complaining because you don't have, you know, like uh, a fresh salad on the, I don't, you might, but you know what I'm saying? Like eventually you kind of just want to go, you know, this isn't the best place for you. You know, like every right. now and then somebody might say, well, you don't have this feature in ScheduleFly. And, I'll, and you know, you kind of say, well, look, there, there are other providers that do, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. you would be happier. there. And to me it's almost better if you're – I will be happy to refer somebody to somebody else, our competitor, if I think they'll be happy there, because then what happens? They're happy and I'm happy because <laughs> sure. I don't oh, have an yeah. upset customer. Like, would not that better than like, oh, well, let me try to – go out of my way to add something to my, to please you. And then all of a sudden, what am I? I'm not different because I got the same stuff as everybody else. And I can't, you know, so, um, but it's yeah, I always, of, uh, you know,
1: it, the customer's always right thing. I mean, if we make a mistake or we're in the wrong, I am mm-hmm. a i i i am over the top apologetic. I'll do anything yep. I can to make it right. But my my mentality first and foremost is to side with our restaurant and our staff um, because most of the time they know what they're doing um, yeah. and those are the people you are working with day in and day out. So I, I really side with our staff first. But if there is – and, you know, stuff comes up and there's, there's – if we mess up a ticket or the ticket time – Thirty minutes or whatever. It is, then I'm the first one to apologize, and I know when we're yep. in the wrong. Yeah. Um, so, but there is something to be said about you know, sort of sticking to your business and your staff and, and your beliefs. So I, I agree totally.
0: Well, uh, so one thing that you all do is uh, I wanted to ask you, but we haven't talked about this. But it's there's a video on your homepage of this mm-hmm. annual. Uh, festival you have in your parking lot there in Greenville called Doggy Jams and if, and if, I mean like I watched the video I was like oh I would really like to go to that it looks so much Dude. fun and you have clearly a t- <laughs> ton of freaking people well I want to talk to you about that we may try to but what I mean so did, did you start that did your brother start that and talk about like that starting. What it like? What it was like at first? How many real people were there? And then, like, how many you'll yeah. plan on having next month? And are you going to do that in Chapel Hill? Things like that, because it's clearly a great. Folks like they get a huge number of people there for a day, and it's a great thing, I'm sure, for your brand and a lot of fun too. So, so talk about that. Yeah, I mean, my, my my
1: little brother Derek came up with that. It was his brainchild. His name, Doggy Jams. It's Sup dogs and. Um, and it first kind of started out the first two or three years that he did it it was kind of like a uh, like a jam band slash hippieish sort of vibe to it mm. um, and i remember the first year i got there you know i got there in february doggy jams is always in april and you know i didn't know what to do uh <laughs> So I just had one of our cooks book some random bands, and you know. But the the following year, I'm like, look, I want to make this an awesome mainstream. The, the the you know the biggest party for the students each year, and um, so what we do it's it we we it's, it's it's an outdoor almost music festival, where I hire like an awesome cover band. You know, we have drinks, beer, sell hot dogs, we do a hot dog eating contest. We have, you know, just a few carnival games, some shuffleboard. But what it turns into is just a, just an awesome, like the most fun outdoor concert party you've ever been to. Last year we had almost 2,000 people, like 1870 or something people there. And then, uh, this year we're expecting a lot more actually. Um, So it's a huge marketing thing for us. I mean, putting on an event like that between permitting costs and police and security and a sound guy and the band and staging, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It costs a lot of money to put that event on. Um, And we do make a little bit of money off it, but for me, it's a marketing thing. Um, Yeah. You know, I want people to think of us as just the most fun place you could ever go to, to eat or drink and don't get me wrong, we're selling 70% food, 60, well, right now, it's probably about 66, but, on uh, Chapel Hill, it's a little more, so we are a restaurant, but, you know, you know, when you come into Sup Dogs, I want you to just, have an, an over-the-top, awesome time, and, and part of that is, doing a, you know, a few big events a year, and Doggy dance is, certainly just, you know, a huge event that we put on, that, uh, you know, and it's not, not it's just our staff putting on the event i mean a lot of these big concerts that get thousands of people and events they bring in a whole production company i'm lucky because i put on big events when i worked in radio um so i had an idea of how to do them so i kind of and this is kind of a microcosm of the business as a whole being able to take what my brother started and 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 make it kind of mainstream and his Fun and big and profitable and cool as it could possibly be, and, and this is kind of an example of that. Of you know, I took my experience in in radio and putting on big events, um, you know, putting on a Super Bowl broadcast or a spring break party broadcast uh, in radio in DC, and sort of transferring that to SUP Dogs and, and our Doggy Jams event. And I think it really is just a just a unbelievable fun event. All my family and friends come and, I mean, it's a total work day for, for our staff, but I think the people that show up just have a blast.
0: That's awesome. That's, what a great idea. I
1: mean, it's honestly, I mean, it's it's a really, really cool event. It's not just for college kids. We get, you know, we get a lot of, like, college girls bring their dads to it, uh, you know, locals that community, I mean, the mayor was there last year, you know, he comes, stops by, it's like, it's a really cool signature event.
0: So you – well, you mentioned I, – I, I I definitely uh, – We, I, I want to talk to you more about that um, sure. uh, when we get done because cause I might. Now, you mentioned, though, that you – it's. I mean, so it's expensive. Like, is, it, is there any advice, like, if somebody, like, maybe they saw your video and they listened to this and, like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we could do something similar. Like, what are some, like, just top-of-mind pieces of advice – you would recommend like would it be hey be careful you know you you could spend a lot of money real fast or what what are some things yeah just put, do I mean, putting on a big event
1: like that you just you you got to keep the community in mind first um because all it takes is is one person in the community say you know what the juice isn't worth the squeeze with this event let's just shut it down let's not approve it because there are approval levels the local government you know, your neighbors, sound permits, the ABC commission. I mean, you really got to do this thing buttoned up. Um, if you think you can just go outside and throw a huge party, like you're throwing a frat party, it doesn't work that way. Um, and, I mean, you just got to run it like you're running uh, any other big time event. I mean, our whole staff, the mandatory work day, none of our staff is drinking whatsoever. Obviously, um, you know, you got to make sure everything's planned out, timed out right. You know, you got to make sure the stage is coming before the sound guy and the sound guys are coming before the band and sound check. And then, you know, how many cases of beer do you need? Something stupid like, okay, well, do we have enough ice to to ice down all these beers? Um, You know, there's a lot of logistical things that go into putting on such a huge event. And you can keep in mind at the same time, like Saturday in April, you know this event's like at 3 p.m. So our lunch is going to be crazy. So it's like you're trying to do everything. You know, the night before we're going to be, you know, it's a Friday night. It's probably going to be crazy till three in the morning, and then lunch is going to be busy. And then you got to transition to this monster event. Um, and you really just there's a lot that can go wrong, you know. Um, and you just really have to sort of plan against that and and uh but it's, it is really cool too because our, our you know it's almost like a bonding event for your staff because it's party time for everyone else during doggy jams but for our staff it's work and our yeah. staff takes pride and, and and what I tell and we t- our staff talks about this all the time is like you know people are we are a part of people's college experience and we don't take that lightly you know, when you come to ECU and it's starting to get that way at UNC, you know, SUPDOG is a big part of that college experience, so we always have to be great. And if we're not, we're going to affect some girl's college experience, and, and I take that pretty seriously. So doggy dance is the same way. This has become part of the university and, and part of the, the semester for these students, so it's got to be perfect every year. Um and it is a bonding event because once you, once you do an event with 50 staff members and you know, there's 2,000 people there and the band's rocking and everyone's drinking, eating, having a great time, it, it, it's a pretty cool feeling, even though it's exhausting.
0: Okay, so that actually brings something up because you've mentioned, you know, several times, you, you, I mean, cre- clearly you have a great staff and you're very proud of your staff and they do a wonderful job for you. Now, you mentioned that, you know, you're part of the college experience for people at ECU and that you all don't take that lightly. I get that as an owner. I totally get that. And I get why you would think that way and why you would believe that and why you would understand the importance of that. How do you get your staff to think that way? How yeah, do you find that, people either that think that way or how do you train or help people understand that? You know, what totally, they're doing is not it. just coming and, and, you know, bringing hot dogs out to people.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's more than that. And, you know, I always tell our staff is we, we have to be the best. And I sort of try to instill that in them. You know, I always try to tell them that we are the best and we have to be the best at everything we do. Um, I think there's, believe it or not, we're doing hot dogs and burgers and cheese fries, but I think it would be tough to find a restaurant that puts as much effort and time into presentation. And, you know, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. If you're in our kitchen and, you know, you, you see one guy correcting another guy because he didn't drizzle the ranch right on the Ranchero dog. <laughs> um, you know, it sounds stupid, but all that stuff's really important. That goes into, and that goes into taking pride and in, in doing things the right way. And that's, another, I call our stuff a lot like, Look, there's there's a right way to do things, and then there's a gray area, and we got to be out of that gray area. we got to do things the right way every single time. Um, and to be honest with you, it just takes time, and we're starting to develop that in Chapel Hill. We're starting to develop that pride in your staff. You're starting to see less turnover, because at first, that's rough. You know, we started our second location. You know, certain staff members didn't really have – pride in the concept they didn't care about working they didn't really care about the restaurant but over time you sort of figure out who your, who your key players are and what's helped a lot in greenville is being you see is being really popular so people inherently take pride in working at sup dogs and then our staff is paid pretty well um you know our girls make a ton of money now they work their ass off for it i mean Nobody works harder than our, our servers. Um, so making a lot of money goes along with that um, and, and working so hard, everyone's working. I mean, some of these days are just, I feel like I'm running a sweatshop some days. I'm not kidding. It's it's just so hard and so intense. Um, but along with that comes pride and, and sort of a sense of accomplishment every day and you know, I try to pay our, our cooks and our, our managers as much as I possibly can. You know, we don't have anyone making minimum wage right now. Um, that includes our bus bus boy and dish guys, and um, so I think it, it comes. It just takes time to sort of build that pride in your staff. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, we're, we're getting there in Chapel Hill. Um, in Greenville, we we totally have it. Um, you know, people are. You know, I got. You know, dozens of people that wanna work at sub Dogs every single day. Which is awesome. Um yeah. so I hope I answered your question, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> you did. I, think there's just, I always ask that question. I'm always just fascinated by that and it's just not it's not easy. It just takes like you said, it takes time, it takes leadership, it takes you know, truly believing that yourself and showing that and just rewarding people that, you know, live by that that creed, I guess, and then you know I always feel like it's like um, you know the money thing too is interesting. It's like, gosh, if you just look, if you just treat every customer like they're your best friend, right? like how would you treat your best friend when they walk in here? Like how would you totally. interact with them? What if you do that? Then they're going to tip you better, and you're going to make more money. It's like <laughs> not that yeah, complicated. Yeah, right. It's easy. <laughs> and,
1: and I tell our um, staff that the whole our restaurant's so small in Greenville. Yeah. When I, t- I said, look, our servers, our girls on the floor, you're the face of this restaurant. So if you failed a test, if your boy- boyfriend broke up with you, that's got to stay outside the restaurant. Because when that customer walks in, the first thing he's going to see is your face.
0: Do you look like yeah. you're
1: having a good time? Do you look like you want to be there? That's instantly going to affect the customer experience. Yeah. Um, and then also being able to deal with all sorts of different people. You know, we have. I, I tell them, uh, you're going to have one table uh, it's going to be a grandma and our granddaughter just came from church. The next table is going to be a group of construction guys. The next table is going to be the fire department. The next table is going to be the 21st birthday. And the next table is going to be a group of frat guys who want to go crazy and take shots and high-five each other. And you've got to be able to adapt to all of them and make sure Not each either. one of them yeah. is, is having the best possible time.
0: Yeah. Not easy to do sometimes, but but it's a, it's a it's – Necessary in your business. Um, well, so then the last thing I want to ask you about is, and I you mean you're you're, you're only nine months into Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. but like big picture, long term, you you talked about making this concept really a part of the community and knowing the community. So now you're spending half your time Chapel Hill, half in Greenville. What do you like? How do you grow? Do you grow more? And if so, how do you keep that
1: up yeah that's 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 a really tough part um i kind of i kind of don't think about it that much to be honest with you my my mentality now is making sure our greenville location is is as great as it's ever been and only improves i always want to get better Um, our unc location i want to make sure we're established as a member of the community um and it's as profitable and is, uh, is running about as well as it can. Um, so, my wife and I talk about it like, oh man, people ask me all the time, where's the third location? I'm just like, this is so damn hard. It is so freaking hard. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know, you know, two years ago, I never would have thought we could open a second restaurant. You know, my wife and I talked about it. We're like, oh my God, it'd be impossible to do a second one. How could we possibly do a second one when we have this one that's so crazy and busy and insane every day? Somehow we did it. I don't know. Um, So I don't know. And, And the weird part about it now is we have, we actually have college towns that are
0: universities
1: that are like trying to recruit us. You know, I get these pitch emails and phone calls. That's
0: awesome. Congratulations. Random building
1: owners that come in and you know because I think we do our concept and what we do brings a lot to a college community. Um, You know it's exciting it's fun it's edgy it's different Um, but at the same time we're really trying to do things the right way and uh, yeah I don't know you know maybe we open a third I don't know maybe we just have two and I'm perfectly content with having two the rest of my life, and, you know, maybe one of them fails, maybe both of them fail, I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't take, every day I freaking don't take any, I don't take for granted that people are coming through the door. I know if you go away, in my mind, I'm like, this whole thing could go away tomorrow. I mean, and I, I think about it a lot. Is this as good as it gets? Like, is, you know, is there only... Can we only go downhill from here, you know. So every day I'm working to try to get better and to really just try to stay out front of ourselves. I don't know. It sounds weird. I just I don't take for granted that we're making money and we're busy and we have a great staff. I don't take that for granted because in my mind it could go away tomorrow. But in that being said, look, we have a thousand issues. You know, I'm dealing with eight, a billion staff issues right now. I'm dealing with food distributor issues and I mean it's not all roses I mean I I'm out here it's a, I'm fighting for money and and staff issues and this and that so it's not all roses trust me it's 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 a total grind but uh I I don't know I don't know I'm trying I
0: to think, figure man, out I got to uh, tell you I got to tell you but like so you said you're uh, you're in your 30s now early 30s yeah I'm
1: 33
0: yeah, years. man, so you've got. I'll just like I'm forty, so I, you know you you have a lot of wisdom that takes a lot of us a lot longer to to, uh, <laughs> to achieve. And I, you know the interesting thing is you, you said something. i and and actually uh, it's one of the guys that was in is, was in our book. His name is Dave query and he's a really successful restaurateur in uh, Colorado. He started in Boulder. And now they've got places in Denver and, and other elsewhere. And uh, you know he's got a restaurant group with. 10 or 12 locations or whatever. But he said, you know, he said uh, to me when I was interviewing him for that, he said, you know, here we are, what is it, like 15 years later, uh, you know, I I always feel like, you know, know, it could all end tomorrow. Like I, I think that's such a wise mentality, which is like never taking, like enjoying the success and recognizing it, but then never expecting it. We're not expecting you expect it to continue, but never thinking that it just will continue if you don't keep doing what you've been doing, Um, which is like you said, running a button-up business, grinding it every day, you know, taking nothing for granted. Because as soon as you take it for granted, then uh, you know, it could it could be gone. So that mentality, I think, is why you'll continue to succeed. Why if you open another, you will do well. Like I I really believe that. So. my, my, Thanks, tip, man. my, hat I that. yeah, yeah. You guys, so hopefully, you'll be in, uh, um, you've been down here a few years. I don't know if you ever spent much time down in Wilmington, but, uh, I'm not there. I'm in Charlotte. We've got three of our guys are down in Wilmington, and, uh, UNCW is down there, and Riceville Beach. Yeah, awesome. I hear a lot it's of, everyone's awesome.
1: telling us, we got to open there.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, go to Wilmington and, uh, Boone if you're going to do it. Those are two really good other college towns, but, um, but I won't, you, we can talk more about that offline sometime, but man, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this because nice you do man. have a daily grind and you have a lot of issues. So I'm going to let you roll, but this is awesome. There's so many great pieces of wisdom and advice that will come out of this for anybody that listens. And um, thank so thank you so much for, uh, for doing this and, and for, for contacting us, man, like that made my day uh, when you did that. And uh, I'm so excited we were able to put this together and, and, yeah, and um, and,
1: and, I, and I really appreciate it. And let, I just want to say a couple of things. Like, the transition for us from a mom-and-pop restaurant to, like, you know, people on salary and 401K, and, you know, we were using Microsoft Excel not that long ago, you know, until one of our girls who used to work at a different restaurant was like, ah, oh, I use a ScheduleFly, it's great, we should try to use it. And, you know, what you guys do definitely helped us in becoming, at least me feeling like we're more of a legitimate restaurant company because now all of our scheduling is done online. Mm Everything tracked online. It it cuts out a lot of headaches with staffing. Um, So your product really helped us sort of becoming legitimate. Um, And obviously I told you your book helped me when I read it. So I, uh, you know, I appreciate what you guys do, and uh, and another thing I want to say is like I've been doing this, what is it, three years and one month. Like I, I'm not, I might come off sounding like I know what I, I know a lot. I, I know I don't know hardly anything compared to most people, and I look at a lot of restaurant owners like Scott from Top of the Hill, like a lot of these restaurant owners that you interview. They're like way ahead of me, and I, I don't. I don't feel like I know everything. I try to. I might try to come across that way to our staff, but I know there's so much that I have no clue about, and uh, and I look forward to learning that. So I you know I don't want people to think I'm uh, some know-it-all because I know there's been people in this business for 20 years and they know. A billion times more than I do.
0: So I just yeah, to say but that. you know what, man, I, and that's really uh, cool you just say that. But there's, see, there that this is uh, another example of why people that have been at it for twenty or twenty-five years that listen to this would say, I guarantee it. They would say, he has the right mentality. Like in other words, you, you don't think you know it at all, <laughs> which is which is critical. You don't have the ego. You don't you know feel like I know you know it's my, I, I know how to do this. I got this or whatever. It's a constant learning process. One of the guys yeah. I interviewed. He said something that I wrote this quote down and I really liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was fantastic. He said, Will, every good restaurateur is a student of the game. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like uh, when well, you guys are in Chapel Hill and you had the Duke sucks sign and I don't like Duke either, but I like, I, I <laughs> admire Mike Shusevsky and I feel like he's always been a student of the game. So, so, you know, so was Dean Smith, so was Roy, Wh- like great coaches are like, they never stop learning. They never stop adapting and, you know, they may have to learn a new generation of players and how to coach them or whatever, but it's you're always learning and uh you know, you're never like you never have it all figured out, right? Which is the mentality. Yeah, now. I mean
1: I found some I don't I don't really want to get into it, but I found something out with our food distributor like a month ago, which I'm like made me feel like an idiot. Like, wow, I, I don't know anything. I should have known this
0: Oh, you yeah. <laughs> two <laughs> right. years yeah. ago.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. I,
0: every yeah. day I find things out like that. That's awesome. Well, hey man, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no and I'll uh, I'll follow up with you too because uh, I I do want to talk to you about uh, doggy jams. So we'll we'll catch up about that sometime in the next week. But thanks so cool. so much. And folks, thank you for listening very much. And uh, stay thank tuned. Thank you. We'll I really appreciate soon. it. All right, man. Take care. Thank bro. you. Okay. Bye.